the priest, no vestment, he had some sort of a, a, a stole on, and he, if you will, consecrated, in quotes, Coca-Cola. Oh, goodness. And a pizza. Ladies and gentlemen, I just finished recording this amazing interview with Father Charles Murr. We talked about the liturgical abuse that's been going on for decades and how we've arrived at this point where we have invalid masses in the Catholic Church as admitted by the Bishop of the Kansas City Diocese in America. And Father Murr did have an interesting take on this, which we'll get to. And he had a lot of stories about how this stuff has been going on for a long time. In fact, at one point, he was even at a mass where the priest, well, a mass where the priest attempted to consecrate Coca-Cola and pizza, which he said was way more common than you might think, even in Rome at the footsteps of the Vatican. And this has been known for a long time. There's so much that happened over the last 30 or 40 years um, that has gone under the radar and it's finally being revealed. Um, so stay tuned. And uh, listen to all the Father, all of Father Murr's stories. They are excellent, as usual. And um, just before we get to that interview, we'd like to say thank you to the TKR store. Go to thekennedyreport.com and visit the TKR store to see our new products, Kennedy's Choice Beard Oil. You can use this on your beard to help with alleviating itchiness, dryness, and irritation of skin. And don't worry, no animals were used in testing this product except for myself. Use Kennedy's Choice Beard Balm for a softer, healthier, manageable beard that is made with natural ingredients. And trust me, I know a thing or two about beards. Visit thekennedyreport.com and check out the TKR store. The links for this are in the description. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. I'm here with Father Charles Murr, or for the Spanish listeners, of which there is a growing number from uh, our mutual friend Luis Roman, who had me on his show, Don Carlos Murr. And um, we're going to talk about the rise of invalid masses, or perhaps not the rise, the discovery of invalid masses, the acknowledgement, and what this has to do with the sort of sacrilegious chaos that has ensued since the council. Father Murr, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me, Kennedy. It's always a pleasure. And I mean that. <laughs> yes. Well, um, if you're a glutton for punishment... I actually mean that, yes. <laughs> okay, thank you. If you're a glutton for punishment, you can check out um, my reading of Father Murr's book, Murder in the 33rd Degree. I'll have a link for that in the description to this video, both the audio and the print version. I, um, as, as the audio reader, I had the pleasure of reading it three or four times through. <laughs> so I really like the book and I really know it. And I recommend everyone get Father Murr's books. So they're wonderful. And that's how we actually became friends is, uh, is that way. So... Okay, Father, would you mind um, uh, beginning with an Ave for us? Certainly. Nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena. Dominus tecum benedicta tu mulieribus et benedictus fructus ventris tu, Jesus. Santa Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et honorum mortis nostre. Amen. Sede sapiensie, ora pro nobis. Okay, thank you, Father. Well... Um, you remember the word cretino from speaking Italian, right, Father? I do. Okay. I do. My, my cretini. I, as a matter of fact, I not only remember the word, I met a few. Ah, yeah. My little children, my cretini, as my nonna would always call us, um, they're having naps and upstairs, so we should be un undisturbed for this uh, 45 minutes to an hour or so. Um, good, good. So, um, recently, if people are unaware, the Bishop of... Kansas City. I believe it's an archdiocese, so I, I believe his correct term is archbishop. I want to make sure I get that correct. Nauman, who is actually quite a conservative bishop as far as I can tell. Um, he's mentioned his affection for uh, John Sr., who I adore. I adore, adore John Sr.'s work. And you don't read John Sr.'s work if you're a progressivist, let's put it that way. Um, mm -hmm. He's been sympathetic to the Society of St. Pius X. There's a lot of tradition that can be found in that diocese. So clearly he's not some sort of, he's not, he's not asking priests to do liturgical dance, let's put it that way. And, um, but he came out with a revelation and it was reported by the pillar that, and his quote was, for any number of years, there was a host of invalid masses that took, full, took place at a handful of parishes because they were not using the proper wine. 
And um, I know you heard about this story, Father, and what were your initial reactions to this? My initial reaction was I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that somebody actually voiced a matter that I thought should have been should have been uh, uh, discussed or brought up for discussion years ago. Um, I couldn't believe that somebody actually did it, and I couldn't believe that it was uh, one of our own bishops who uh, who actually uh, found a problem and announced it. Uh, I was. I, was good. It was very good. I was very pleasantly surprised. It was good. Now, I imagine it's a little bit bittersweet because on the one hand, we're happy that it's acknowledged, but as I see it, um, you know, this is one bishop in one diocese, again, a conservative bishop in a, in a, in a conservative setting where this has taken place. Um, my gut tells me that this is perhaps the tip of the iceberg and that this sort of thing has been going on in many other places and probably was a lot more common in the 70s and 80s and probably the early 90s. Would you agree with that? Uh, maybe. Maybe it was more common. I think it's, I think it's just as common today. Okay. Uh, when you have, for example, what, what, what we're talking about for, for those who are unfamiliar with this, with this theme, and I'm going to try to explain it as, as simply as I can. Uh, as a matter of fact, I was just on a couple of uh, uh, broadcasts or programs uh, in South America, when we were talking about the validity of masses, mm -hmm. validity as opposed to uh, illicit, uh, something that was licit or illicit, valid or invalid, and I was my whole point was when I was when I was doing the presentation, uh, somebody started. They said to me, "Let me put it this way." They said, "I think that that mass that I just attended was invalid." Mm -hmm. I said, "Well, what happened?" And they explained, you know, the whole barrage of, of liturgical abuses that you, you can imagine. I, I leave that to your imagination. But, but they were right. They were abuses. And I said, no, the real scandal here is not that they were invalid. They were not invalid. They were, it was a valid mass. That's the scandal. Right. That's the scandal because it was the body and blood of Jesus Christ being treated this way. That is the scandal in itself. However... That said, there are many masses, many, let me be careful of, of, uh, of what I'm saying. There are masses yeah. that are invalid. And that would mean the following, that either bread as prescribed and wine as prescribed are not used. Or, and or, the words of consecration are not said fully and properly. Now, you can get right into the problem of, of, uh, of uh, you can call us nitpickers. You're, you're getting down to the, to the fine thing. No, 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 there's a reason. There's a reason that things are valid or invalid. There are reasons given for these things because there were abuse given, abuses made, and ultimately, there is no body and blood of Jesus Christ in the sacrament if, if, if these abuses are of a serious nature. For example, there are many places today, and this started years ago, where you have uh, people in the parish baking the bread for communion, right? Uh, I won't mention the name of a college, but we were in, when I was a, a student in, in the 1970s in Rome, one of the major uh, pontifical colleges in Rome had, uh, what did they have at that time? Whole wheat, whole wheat hosts. Listen to this, whole wheat hosts with honey. Mm -hmm. And I believe they had some raisins or some, some weird thing. All right, well, this, the, finally the Vatican got wind of this and prohibited saying that is not bread. Therefore, the Holy Sacrifice in the Mass is not taking place. It's not valid. Uh, we have, for our validity, uh, it's, very, it's very clear what we have. There's, we have unleavened bread, right? This is what we use, and it's prescribed as such. It cannot be leavened bread. Do you know why that, that is? Kennedy, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful tradition. You know and what, it's I, very, I really don't, yeah. 
from the gospel. Remember when our Lord said, when he was talking about the Pharisees, and he said, be careful of the leaven oh. of the Pharisees, right? Right. Why? Because their pride swells them up, just like, just like yeast does to bread. And when we talk about somebody as being proud or arrogant, we talk about him or her as being full of themselves. And a lot of times we say full of hot air, right? Right. It's, yeah. it's that they're puffed up, right? Well, we, because we don't want Christ to have any resemblance to hypocrisy of the Pharisees, huh. have taken the leaven out of the bread. And we use it just as the Jews used the bread for Passover without leaven, without yeast. Right. So anyway, these are the requirements. Also for wine, I can't tell you the number of parishes. I traveled a lot during the 1970s, 80s, and 90s, and even into the 2000s. Uh, I would go to different parishes. I always carried my own wine. Yeah. And sometimes, and always my own hosts when I couldn't, I, I, I felt uh, there was a question here. <laughs> but the wine... Oftentimes, I would be in a parish where the wine that was being used for communion was uh, Father they say, Father Bob's favorite rosé, as you say, right? Or, yeah. or something bought in a grocery store by the gallon or something. You can't, that's not permitted. It's not nope. permitted. It's to, it's to be wine that, is, that, is, uh, that has no contaminants. Yep. Uh, uh, that, that's all. It's to be pure wine. We also had, I've had cases, I had a case, I won't again say where, but I was pastor of, of a place. And I had a priest asking me, asking me, me to, uh, could he say mass there? I said, certainly. Well, he said mass. After a while watching him, somebody said, do you realize that, that he's saying mass with no wine at all? I said, what are you talking about? He said, no, when it comes time to pour the wine in, he's pouring in water. Well, I questioned him and I said, is that so? And he said, well, yes. And the poor man, right? he said, I have a problem with alcohol. Yeah. I said, well, well there, just a minute, because you have a problem with alcohol. I understand that. There are ways around that. <laughs> there's a Muslim, there's a, there's a Muslim. special wine yeah. Yeah. That, that Muslim that you can use, which does have a very minute uh, degree of alcohol, but it's the process of fermentation is stopped, whatever. Yeah. I said, there's a way. Around. No, I'd rather use water. I said, well, you'd rather use water. You're not, you're not offering mass. Yeah. What I had to do was go through the books and return the stipends, the stipend money to all of the people who had masses said since he was saying mass there because he did not satisfy that. Right. Yeah. He became very angry, reported me. I said, well, fine, report me. But these are the things that were that have been going on for a long time, and nobody's really addressed them. So I'm very, I'm taking the wrong, the long way around the, the, your, your question, but I'm very satisfied, very happy with what the, uh, with what the Archbishop of, of, of Kansas City did. I thought it was a very good move and good. Okay, so I'm going to read something here because after this happened, you know, everyone knows I literally have a book about the SSPX right in the show here. And it's no secret. I'm a society guy. And so I, I messaged um, one of our priests or I emailed him, I should say. And I did not doubt for a second that it was done validly. I just wanted to know what the process was for acquiring the sacramental wine. And, you know, properly formed priest, chapter and verse. He sent me back a, an email within a couple minutes. You could tell it was from memory and he knew everything. And this is what he said. And... Um, they said, we get our wine from Mont La Salle, um, or I guess it'd be La Salle, because it's probably a mm -hmm. Spanish word, uh, altar wine. And he said, it's the oldest continuing producer of altar wine, I think, in the United States um, since 1882. And they're made in strict accordance with Canon Law 924, subsection 3, which states, quote, wine must be natural wine of the grape and not corrupt. This means that the wine must be substantially pure, natural juice obtained from the pressing of the cultivated grape. The fruit of the vine fermented to an alcohol content of not less than 5% and no more than 18%. To be labeled sacramental wine, the product must be approved by the Bishop of the Vineyards Diocese. Mont La Salle has, currently approval by, has current approval by Most Reverend John T. Steinbach, Bishop of Fresno. And um, 
it just, it made me think, I, I mean, I wonder if the average priest today is taught this, um, and I'm talking about, you know, your, your general seminary. There are, I'm, you know, I don't want to be, say that there are, there are no good seminaries. I'm just saying there are some problems. Um, or if they are taught it, if it's just like one of those teachings that's sort of cast aside because the rector or the professors or the bishops kind of say, well, that's kind of the old stuff. You know, it's not really, don't be a Pharisee sort of thing. Um, is this something that is taught, generally speaking, to priests? Like, do they come out of seminary knowing this uh, as they should? Well, if they took any basic course in canon law, canon law 101, if you will, they certainly should know that, uh, the, the, the matter in the form of the, of the sacraments, and that the, the matter has to be bread, real bread, and real wine with no impurities. Uh, th that was always taught to us. We always knew that. I knew that as an altar boy. Yeah. I knew that as an altar boy, that because there was a special wine and there were special hosts that were that were uh, ascribed for for the mass. It was it was a different it was different, and there was you know what what it was there was a respect for everything that went into the mass, all of the preparation for the mass, the vestments, the prayers, everything was special. Yes, and all of a sudden it stopped being special, and. Uh, Many priests, particularly in particular, stopped paying attention to the to uh, to things that were not details. They were fundamentally important. Uh, when, when let me just put this too. When when I was I told this story before, it caused me a, a, a great a, a great. It was a scandal to me at eighteen. I just started college. And on the college campus, there was a, a Catholic group, and they invited me to a, uh, to a mass with the, with the chaplain, right? Well, I'm coming from, uh, I don't know, a, a Catholic family, Catholic upbringing. We get to the mass. The mass is, this is my first summer in college. The mass is at a picnic table. <laughs> this is, this is 19, 19, 1907, 1969, 1969, at a picnic table. The priest, no vestment, he had some sort of a, a, a stole on. And he, if you will, consecrated, in quotes, Coca-Cola. Oh, goodness. And a pizza. All right. Well, it came. I was too well-educated, Kennedy. I was too well-educated. I mean, I knew, I knew what was right and I knew what was wrong. I had great parents and a great Catholic upbringing. When it came time for, if you will, communion, I took part of the pizza, ate the part that I liked, and threw away the crust. Well, he went, he got just crazy. This priest went just crazy. What do you, and the birds flew off with the crust from the picnic table. He said, what are you doing? And I said, I don't eat that part of the pizza, the, the thick crust, I don't like it. He said, this is our communion. This is what, what, I said, no, 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 no. I said, if you want to look at somebody who's, who's, who's responsible for a scandal here, Father, it's you. I said, I said, you just genuflected to a pizza and to a, a glass of Coca-Cola. What, what, what are you talking? Right? I stopped going to mass for a while. Yeah. I stopped going to mass for a while. I was 18. I said, if this is what it's come down to, th there's nothing here. This is ridiculous. This is absurd. It took somebody <laughs> sane with whom I was speaking to get me back to the to the sacraments, but a lot of people just stopped. I mean, this yeah. is this is the whole problem of of, of of liturgical abuse. When you when you don't perceive that the priest himself has any respect for the blessed sacrament, it causes damage to anyone who's observing that or who's right. observing the lack of respect. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, I think you're a similar age to my father. I, he was born in 1951, so. Um, yeah, he hasn't I've gone got back. him by a year. Yes. Okay. <laughs> he hasn't gone back to mass since the changes basically. Cause it just, you know, there was a Canadian, um, politician. He was a liberal, but he was weirdly kind of smart. It's, it happens sometimes. And, um, but in his autobiography, <laughs> yes. yeah, in, he's old school. I mean, he's like in his seventies now he was at least raised in a sane education system. So he had, he, did, he was a lawyer, had the ability to think his name was Tom, uh, Thomas Moldcare. He was uh, from Quebec 
anyway, he was the leader of opposition for a while. And I remember reading in his autobiography or a, a portion of it that he's Quebecois, you know, grew up daily mass, all the things, you know, as you do in Quebec, it was the, it was the most Catholic country in the world, let alone province for, for many years. And uh, he said, just, he said at some point, everyone just stopped caring and they stopped going. Now there's more reasons to that. Uh, Obviously there were problems before the mass changed. um, And it's not only that, but nonetheless, that was sort of the straw that broke the camel's back. And it's a very common story. And um, it's, uh, it really is crazy. So, um, there's a quote that I want to read here from Archbishop Lefebvre's book, Open Letter to Confused Catholics, because I've actually used this before in an essay, and I was criticized for my theological, um, I, w- I was a theological Luddite in the minds of these people because I wasn't being specific enough about sacramental theology. But people always have to remember that um, Archbishop Lefebvre was speaking in a, ironically in this age of being pastoral, he was very pastoral where the church was, anyway. And um, he was speaking as a pastor and saying what he saw and what this meant. So I'm just going to read this quote here about um, the validity of masses. This is from Open Letter to Confused Catholics. You can actually find, if anyone wants to read that book, you can find it free online. Um, and you can listen to the free audiobook from Angelus Press on the SSPX YouTube. It's a professional book. It's quite well done. Okay, so so this is a quotation from... Archbishop Lefebvre. And he said, then from being puzzled Catholics, you become worried Catholics. Is the mass at which you have assisted valid? Is the host you have received truly the body of Christ? It is a grave problem. How can the ordinary faithful decide? For the validity of a mass, there exist essential conditions. And then the Archbishop goes on to explain what we've discussed. Um, The prayers of the offertory, the canon, and the priest's communion are necessary for the integrity of of the sacrifice, but not for its validity. Cardinal Benzenti pronouncing in secret in his prison the words of consecration over a little bread and wine, so as to nourish himself with the body and blood of our Lord without being seen by his guards, was certainly accomplishing the sacrifice and the sacrament. A mass celebrated with the American bishops, honey cakes, this sounds like the one you saw in Rome, of which I have spoken is certainly invalid, like those where the words of consecration are seriously altered or even omitted. I'm not inventing anything. A case has been recorded where a celebrant went to such an extent of creativity that he quite simply forgot the consecration. But how can we assess the intention of the priest? And this is where it gets controversial with people. It is obvious that there are fewer and fewer valid masses as the faith of priests becomes corrupted and they no longer have the intention to do what the church does, um, which can, which what the church uh, does, which can never change and has always done. The present-day training of those who are called seminarians does not prepare them to accomplish valid masses. They're no longer taught to consider the holy sacrifice as the essential action of their priestly life. Now, he goes on um, in this section of the book, and he brings up the case of the Anglican uh, ordinations. And he says, when they assessed the Anglican ordinations and assessed after a period of 100, 200 years or so that they were invalid, it was because they had essentially changed their perception of the priesthood so much that even if the words that were said at their ordinations uh, could be seen as valid, it was just so doubtful. And the old phrase is a doubtful sacrament is no sacrament. Um, that's a Latin phrase I was told. I don't remember it in Latin. But what do you think about those words from Archbishop Lefebvre? Do you think that um, the, the poor theological training is, uh, I mean, we know the canonical training but, you know, these priests that offer mass with these crazy pretend matter and all this kind of stuff, I mean, how do we even trust their intentions if they did have the right material? You know, let me, let me uh, tell you just a short story about a priest that I met who became burnt out. And the reason he told me that he ended up burnt out, I mean, burnt out... And in a liturgical sense, he couldn't even say mass anymore was that to that point. And he came to the conclusion that every single mass, but especially every single Sunday mass, he had to put on a new show. Hmm. Now, there's only so much you can do if you've ever been involved in a play there's yeah. only so much you can do if you're following a script. Yeah. <laughs> That's, right? So 
he's, he said, every mass to me was wonderful because I had this great freedom to express it. But after a few years, I ran out of ideas yeah. that were entertaining and engaging for people. And he said, I just went downhill. There was nothing else I could invent. Well, I've never had that. I've never had that happen to me because I've never invented <laughs> my own liturgy. I just haven't. I've followed with, with great respect what is. I had a great archbishop also. Archbishop Francisco Javier Nuno was a, a, a living saint. He was a, a saint in life. Great man. He told me once, he said, respect, respect and devotion, but respect should almost be considered the eighth sacrament. Hmm. Right? When you're offering mass, the respect that you show to what's happening is most important. Most important because you are representing the, the, the people also, and people see that. When you when you're when a priest is lacking respect, people see that. Yeah. And when he's lacking respect, what people see is this. He certainly can't believe that that's the body and blood of Christ. The way he's treating that, he can't believe that, right? Now, I mean, for years, for almost 50 years, more than that, actually, even before I was a priest, we've had these liturgical abuses constantly, constantly, all over, all over, and they've never stopped. Do you really think that it's, has nothing to do with that. You're talking about what happened to Quebec. Yeah. Most of my, my relatives on my mother's side are from Quebec. And my great friend was Cardinal Gagnon. Yes, of I remember, I, I knew these people when I was growing up. They were the most incredibly devout Catholics in the world. They were fantastic. All yeah. of a sudden, Quebec lost the faith. It's just that simple. We've lost... <laughs> We've lost 70% of Catholics in the United States don't, don't attend Mass. And the 30% that do, 70% of the 30% that do don't believe in the real presence. That's crazy. This, this is incredible. You know, I, I'm not trying to be an alarmist, uh, uh, but Kennedy, my gosh, this is, this is concern. This is real concern. We're in a disastrous state. And it started all with small things, small things, small things, not paying attention to this detail and that detail. And all of a sudden we've, we've thrown the, the baby out with the bathwater. It's, it's that simple. Uh, what is what gave me great hope when I read the archbishop's uh, 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 letter from, from, uh, from Kansas City, I said, finally, somebody's looking at this. Remember, I was I was gonna I was gonna tell you I, I'm going to tell you the place that it happened. Remember, I told you about the the honey cakes or something the other thing. But yeah. also that that happened at the North American College when I was in Rome, right? And you know what what the conclusion was? The Vatican sent to the rector of the North American College a missive saying to stop that practice immediately because it could involve the the validity of the sacrament. The priests, the seminarians, actually, who were friends of mine who reported that it was, they weren't reporting it. It was in a conversation that they had with the, with the Archbishop Noe, who was at that time in, in charge of the, 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 the congregation for the for culto divino of, of worship. Well, they, they were just in conversation. They were chastised. Yeah. And, and two of them were threatened with, with the, with not being ordained priests because they had, they had said this to somebody in authority. I mean, this is, this is what we've been living under, and, and, and it's coming to a head. It really is coming to a, to a head. I, that's why I'm very glad that this archbishop took the time to actually zero in on this and admit it, because it's been happening for years, decades. Do you think it's happening in other dioceses in North America, this sort of oh, thing? Are you, are you serious? Absolutely. <laughs> are you serious? If, if, I say it, if, I, if I say it, I'm just some guy with a camera. You've got a collar on, so you say it. It has more weight than I'll, I'll give you. A, I'll give you another example. As I told you, I was traveling around because I, I was invited for, to, to many different dioceses and, and to many different parishes to give talks, right? Uh, I was at one parish. I'm not going to say where. But <laughs> at communion... I, I don't. I don't know how to say this. At communion, they gave out communion under both species. Yeah. Now, 
there's a reason when you stop, just stop and think, there's a reason that the church stopped doing this as a common practice, right? Nobody looks at that reason, but the reason is a very sane one. It has to do with health reasons and also for respect for the precious blood that, it, that not a drop be, be spilled, right? Yeah. Anyway, the long and the short of, of it is when communion time came at this particular parish, there were practically more people in the sanctuary than there were uh, the faithful in the pews. Everybody was there because it's a way of participating. It's The communion was done. I was told to sit down while lay people continued giving out communion. Right? I, was to, I was told to sit down. Right? Good. We're done with Mass. We're done with helping communion. I was there to help with communion. I wasn't there as celebrating. Right? I came over to help with communion. I walked into the sacristy, and there is the sacristan. A nice enough man, a Muslim. Now, why would you have, I don't know why, I have nothing against Muslims, but why you would have a Muslim as your sacristan, I don't know. Yep. He, he was purifying the chalices. And his purification of the chalices was, there was still precious blood in all of these chalices. There must have been eight chalices or something that they used for communion. He just squirted dove liquid detergent into into each one, washed them out, and 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 poured everything down the, the drain. <laughs> I interrupted this. I said, "You can't stop." Well, the pastor came in and said, "Don't you like the way we do things here at Saint, whatever Saint it was?" Whatever, Paris. Yeah. I said. Excuse me, it's not a question of do I like it. I said, are you aware of what's happening? He said, well, that's the way we do things here. And you know what? I'm going to tell you something, Father. If you don't like it, uh, you know, pack up and leave. So I packed up and left. But I mean, these, this is this is common. These these things are common, and they, and it's been happening everywhere. Well, there's there's something else too. There's something else too. And and I know that I'm talking to you. Kennedy, a man of faith. And I, I'm almost sure that everybody who's listening to your program are men and women of faith. There's something mystical that's missing. If for years, if for years, as, as, as the Archbishop of, of, of Kansas City said, or puts at least puts in doubt, raises to a question, if for years people have not been receiving valid communion, they have seriously not been, they've not been nourished yeah. with the graces of the sacrament. Now, if that doesn't account for an awful lot of lack of faith and a lot, a lot of lack of people attending mass and what have you, I don't know what, what would. So, I mean, this is a very serious thing. It's not being looked at. I don't know why it's not being looked at. I really don't know why. I mean, the, it, it's obvious that there's a problem and it should be addressed and, and they refuse. Even Rome refuses to get involved with things like this. And it really should. But I think that the reason that they don't get involved in it is because they understand very well the bishops that we have and cardinals and, and people who are overseeing the sacraments that the real remedy to these problems is to insist on respect and insist on, on, on a dignity given to the, the sacraments. And that would, in, that would include kneeling for reception and not touching with your hands the, the blessed sacrament. And they don't want to go there. And this is, this is the reason that it's been, that nobody wants to address the problem. There, I've, I've said it. I've said what shouldn't be said. Well, I would go one further and I would say, you know, the Novus Ordo, and they take a, a long look at the Novus Ordo and, Get rid of. I mean, if I were Pope, a lot of people, a lot of people would be unhappy. But I would, I would have fun for a little bit until I got assassinated. Um, but uh, you know, in all seriousness, um, obviously, I think we should return to the traditional mass, or at least transition to something. Anyway, we should go back to it. I know that seems like you know some people will say that's impossible, but I say. You know, when the COVID thing happened, they sure were able to change all the liturgies real fast and they got all the stuff going. Yes. I mean, if they put their energy into something, you give it well, five or amazing? six months. Wasn't that amazing? That was amazing. Huh? 
<laughs> Maybe we can be hypothetical, but uh, you know, I was asked to write an article. I, it hasn't been published. I haven't written it yet, but it just hypothetically, what would you do? What, what would a pope do on the natural level to actually return the church to a tra- to a traditional mindset? And I thought about it. I said, you know, it would actually be really difficult to get a lot of priests to say the Latin Mass because, of course, you know, they're in their 50s, 60s, 70s. They've never even learned Latin or said it or in a long time. That's going to be very hard, and that's just a fact. But you could just say the old Mass in English and turn around and learn the postures. Like, everyone could do something like that. Um, anyway, I'm just speculating here. So there are things that they could do. But the one thing that you just said that I want to touch on is you said there's something mystical missing. This is something I've been thinking about. We don't have any, I don't, we can't prove this with a microscope or something like that. But as you said, if people are not receiving sanctifying grace, which they're not receiving through the sacrament of at least the Holy Eucharist, right. and they're, right. I mean, confession is obviously very infrequent, etc. If they're not receiving sacramental grace, then they're not being nourished. And if they're not being nourished, their faith is going to be weakened. And if eventually this happens over time, they're going to lose their faith. Um, and, and this is why, you know, we become like Protestants. Why do Protestants have to continually chase after new denominations and new experiences? Is because when they go to mat or uh, service, there's actually nothing there. It's just a building and there are symbols if it's a liturgical one like Lutheran, old school Lutheran or Anglican or something. And symbols are strong, but they're not strong enough. Or it's just a message. You know, some some preacher who's very biblically intelligent, but they have no sacraments. Um, I have thought that one of the reasons why we've seen the charismatic renewal um, sort of explode after the council was because Catholics were looking for something that they weren't finding because they, it was lacking in their sacramental life. Um, I have no problem being critical of the charismatic renewal. I have many friends who have gone through it. I know it's a sort of a sacred cow for a lot of people because a lot of conservative Catholics are charismatic Catholics, but I think there's a lot of problems with the movement. What do you think? Do you think there's something there? Like we see the the decline in sacramental grace, so to speak, and we don't know the number. It could be 20%, could be 50%, could be more or less, depending on the area. Who knows? But it's a lot. <clears throat> And then, and then Catholics now start going chasing after experiences and emotions. What would you say to that? Uh, let me address it this way. I remember, I've, I'm not, not just remember, I've been asked many times, as a matter of fact, even recently, um, people will say to me, a priest from the uh, Society of St. Pius X told me that I shouldn't be going to the Novus Ordo when I could be going to the, the Tridentine Mass. And I said, and why did he say that? Right? Why did I said, I, I think I'm understanding why he said that, but I said, do you understand why he said that? And he said, well, because uh, uh, it might not be valid, the Novus Ordo Mass. Well, here is where, here's, this is exactly what we're talking about. For example, if that priest knew that the, the next door parish was using bread that's 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 not meant for 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 uh, for, for consecration or wine that's lacking uh, in, in 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 proper definition of wine. Uh, then yes, it's invalid. Look, it's this way. If if a, if a mother, for example, can't produce milk. And she has a baby and she said, well, all right, I'll give the baby water. At least the baby will know it. I'm, I'm trying my best. Well, the baby's going to die. I mean, it, 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 the nourishment right. isn't there. You're not giving. It doesn't matter what your intention is. You might have the greatest intention in the world. If you're if you're giving water rather than than uh, than rich milk. The child is going to die. This is the same thing with with the graces if they're not being received. And I think there's a corollary between the lack of of people in love with their religion and people walking away from the religion and the lack of of uh, of, of receiving Holy Communion uh, uh, as a real grace and a benefit. Something else that happens too. I was pastor of many parishes. All right, I saw many times especially in, in New York City, 
where we would have funerals. I almost got to the point where I did not want to do a mass for a funeral because I realized that the majority of the people who were coming up to receive communion had no business coming up for communion. They didn't even know how to receive communion, right? And many times I would inquire, they were Protestants, some Jews, they wanted to be part of the community. Well, it's not their fault. I understand that. I'm not, I'm not uh, faulting them. They're sitting next to Catholics who are saying, go ahead, go ahead. You know, we're all going to communion. Well, and we're also receiving communion as, as, if, uh, as if we're at McDonald's yeah. as, as in, a fast, in a line of fast food service. Now, if you would tell those same people, imagine, Kennedy, if I would say to a, to a good practicing Jew, a good man or a good woman who understands his or her faith, I'd say, now, if you want to receive communion, you may, but you have to go up and before the priest kneel down, put your hands under under the white cloth, right? And don't touch the host. You receive it on the tongue. Right. They wouldn't go. If you would if I would tell a Protestant that he'd have to kneel before the Blessed Sacrament, he wouldn't go. Yeah. It's very simple, but we're saying, sure, anybody can do this. And this is, this is what's, this is really what's destroying the faith of a lot of people. And it's, and it's, and it's, it's diminished the importance of the Eucharist. That's, that's it. And, and in some of the cases, which, which is what we're talking about today, there isn't even a Eucharist being diminished. That's right. It's not there. You know, pardon me, but I get, I get, this just drives me crazy because it's so obvious what the problem is and what the remedy is. It's just so obvious. It's amazing um, that there are still conservatively minded Catholics who will try to do apologetics for the new springtime. Uh, the more conversations I have like this, I just, um, I don't know how anybody can deny that there's a crisis. You know, the crisis in the church it is so deep into the dysfunction of so many layers of institutions yes. that I don't. I think I think partly it's overwhelming. You know, people get they get uh, caught up on the minutia, on the surface area stuff, on the things, and then they sort of start talking about side issues. But um, as I was uh, trying to say in another episode I did on this similar topic, I said the fact that we're at the point where we could be in 2023 and a bishop has to release a letter that's in the press that in his diocese, any number of, he said for any number of years, because there's no, they don't know when it started, but it's been for a while. For any number of years, there were hundreds, thousands, maybe tens of thousands, if you include the daily masses and how many parishes and how many times a day and Sunday, you know, it's 300 a year at least or something each place. You know, how many masses were being offered. The fact that we're here shows that we are 60 years, 100 years behind the eight ball of how we got here with the dysfunction and the disorder in the formation of the priests, in the formation of the canon lawyers, in just the norms of business operating. You know, I mean, if you're a, a parish priest, you know, and you know what you're doing, it's like, this is where we get our wine. End of story. We are never getting it from the grocery store. It's never going to happen. You know, it's like, it's, very, it's, very simple. I put more care into which baby food that I get for my, for my little, uh, 10 month yes. old. Yes. Um, okay. So, so, I mean, we got about 15 minutes left or so to chat here. Um, obviously this let is let a massive, jump, sorry, go on. Just jump in here, Kennedy. Yeah. And, and let me, let me play the prophet for, for one moment. Okay. okay. That archbishop of Kansas city is going to be he's going to be made to pay for this. Yes. <laughs> you'll you'll see. He'll be made to pay and dearly for having for for even having suggested such a problem. And it is a problem. And it, and what he did was correct. It absolutely is correct, but he's going to be made to pay dearly for it. He will be rebuked. Uh he will get a letter from certainly from the congregation for the for the for the the uh the the, doctor, the congregation for worship. Uh, uh, if, if not from the Secretary of State, and if not calling for his resignation, this is this is where we are. This is why when people talk about the church being in a in a state of emergency, 
in a disastrous state of an emergency right now. They're not exaggerating. Things are yeah. bad. Things are bad. Well, they're I not mean, impossible. They're just bad. No, and, bad. And you know what? I take heart in um, the situation we're in as well is that it's so messed up, but only God can fix it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so very well. you're absolutely you're absolutely right absolutely yeah. right like when i was down in kansas uh actually ironically in the same diocese but in saint mary's kansas for the consecration of the new society church the immaculata and i was talking with um one of the priests and uh, we were having a coffee one day and um i said father you know how does just speculating you know how does the how how does when does the society um, become, you know, quote unquote, regularized, you know, when, when all the, the T's are crossed, the I's are dotted, you know, for all the mm -hmm. stipulations. And he said, when the crisis ends, and it was true because, because it's, 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 uh, you know, you think about how could you have, uh, you know, if tomorrow the Pope waved his magic wand, so to speak, and said, uh, the SSPX is now perfectly normalized. All bishops have to accept them. It's like, it wouldn't happen because uh, there would be anarchy, you know, in the various dioceses. I mean, I know my bishop. He would not be very happy about that. And, yes. and uh, you know, it's just, there's just so many layers of problems. Okay, so so how do how did we get here? I mean, what's your 30,000-foot view of how do we go from, it wasn't perfect before the council, and, you know, it was not. And that's one of the arguments a lot of the time, Sadeva contests, who I'm not, I'm not against Sadeva. I understand things are very confusing. If people are of goodwill, I get it. I'm just, one of the reasons I cannot get on board with one of the arguments of some of the mainline Sede bishops is that they act as if it was a golden age before 1965, which was not true. Um, nonetheless, it was Catholic, and then it became neo-Protestant. Um, how did we get to this point where invalid masses are likely commonplace? Wow. How much time do we dispose of? We have four hours. We have four hours. <laughs> Yes, four hours. We're just about just about touching. Uh, look, I, I remember Mother Pasqualina telling me the following. She said, which was a revelation to me. She said that Pope Pius the Twelfth had spent about five years working on documents for a second Vatican Council, all right? So the whole idea that John the 23rd just came along and he threw open a window and we need fresh air and let's go, that's not exactly how it, how it happened. Pius Twelfth, who was an incredibly brilliant man and a, and a magnificent Pope. I, I, I call, you want, you want a, a, a Pope to be a, a, the, the el, el Grande? Pius XII should be Pio Magno. I'm, I'm serious. He's Pius the Great. But uh, he set up a commission, his own, especially with Cardinal Bea, to, to do investigation and prepare for a Second Vatican Council. And I asked Mother Pasqualina, well, then why didn't he call a council? And the answer that she gave me, I, I remember it as if, as if it were yesterday. She said, because... He decided after looking at everything that the bishops of the world were not sufficiently mature to bring it to fruition. Period. And I think that's exactly the problem. I think that's exactly the problem. I think that after the council, there was, let me, let me, let me be clear on this. There was need for certain reform. Yes. All right. We, we understand that. Even Pius twelfth wanted a, he, and he and he started a dialogue mass i remember i remember as a kid how exciting it was for all of us we were i, I don't know probably 300 kids in the school in grade school at least yeah all of us would respond to the prayers at the foot of the altar yeah in latin yeah I, we thought that was fantastic and we've yeah. got this di well this is what pius the 12th wanted he also said he also wanted the readings, the first reading, the epistle, and the gospel done in the vernacular. Right. This is what this. Those would have been great changes. Yes. Another thing, and just leave things alone. Yes. Right. They didn't. They didn't. And and the part and the great problem was 
there was too much responsibility, personal responsibility given to each individual bishop. Well, you're not going to maintain unity by telling each bishop that he can decide this and he can decide that. You're you're causing disunity immediately. So I think that was the first problem, this giving authority to to each each bishop, each diocese to do what what he feels is is, uh, is his will, whatever, right? That's, can that's, I just that was can I just pause you there because you're making me think? Sure. So the diocese that I'm in, our bishop puts out a letter every six months or so saying you can't go to the SSPX under any circumstance for any reason whatsoever, which is obviously crazy because you could literally go to the Orthodox for danger of death. But he or can't something. say how, how can he say that? It's not true. Well, he's a bishop of a diocese, but bishops are many popes nowadays, right? But but my point okay. is is speaking to someone who's a very conservative Catholic. And um, explaining to him, you know, shameless plug, I did literally, when they say he wrote the book, I literally wrote the book on the subject. Uh, yes, you did. And, and I, was, I was particularly taken with the introduction. Well, it was very good. There's Someone with the same name wrote one there. Um, you can check out Father Murr's introduction. Um, but in any case, my point is I was explaining, well, that's not what the church teaches. That's not, that's not what... That's just not true. It's just there's a, a million reasons why you know you can yeah. without, I don't, you don't have to buy my book. You could just I could tell you three things and that's the conversation's over. And he said, well, um, so I guess if you go in a different diocese, that's fine. But the bishop here said you can't. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, and this is a good man. This is not like uh, this is a man who believes in the real presence, who is a conservative Catholic. You know, this is a this is a man who cares about his faith. But it's just what you're getting at here is that the bishops have become mini popes. Yes. Um, it's it's this weird, it's this weird disordered um, hybrid of, on the one hand, this idea that Catholics have to be hyper obedient to everything the Pope utters when he's on an airplane. On the other hand, they don't have to listen to Rome at all if their bishop says something different, and it's a completely disjointed mentality. So I just wanted to continue with your next point, but I wanted to touch on that because that's a very big problem. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and 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 also. And also, let's not forget another category of bishop, the ones who are scared to death. Yes. And we, we've, we have a lot of them uh, all over the world, but, but I certainly know many of them in the United States who wouldn't dare give an opinion. Yeah. And, we, and what also something else that came out of the council was this, the Episcopal conferences. Yes. Right? Uh, Pope Benedict and and uh, I think even John Paul II, many of the popes since these have begun, have already at least two of them anyway, have 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 had uh, uh, problems with them, because yeah. what they see is the following: whatever the the Episcopal Conference says, it removes the rest. It removes the opinions of the other bishops who who are not in agreement with that. And they don't feel free to speak. And the the conference says this, so we vote that way and we do. It's kind of either you give the authority to each bishop in his diocese, you really truly do with some norms, or you don't. But you don't give it to an Episcopal conference and then say the majority wins and you you who are in the minority, shut up. Mm -hmm. You can't do that. And that's what's being done. Many of them are afraid to speak. They really are. They're, They're very good men. Privately, personally, they're very good men and they're believers and they're they're strong in their faith, but they're afraid. They're afraid. I just told you, watch, watch very, watch within these days, you're going to see the reprimand that comes from Rome to the, to the, to the the Bishop of, uh, of Kansas City. Watch. It's the error of collegiality, so to speak. Yes. Um, Yes. Which, which uh, one of the time bombs, I think it was Michael Davies who coined the term, it might have been. But um, one of the time bombs of the Second Vatican Council, if you could read between the lines, was the that churches and countries now de facto become autocephalous, which is a term we use for the Orthodox, where you know you have the Serbian Orthodox Church, you have the Russian Orthodox Church. How is it that a church can have national boundaries? For many reasons. For one, the borders change all the time, um, especially in places like Serbia, they've changed, um, and in Russia. But also, it's universal. It's universal. So, it, you know, it can't be, a, it's not the, the church of, it's not the Catholic Church of Canada. It's the Catholic Church in Canada. Um, yes. And that creates a major issue because, I mean, you think, I think Poland and Germany have a border, if I'm not mistaken. 
and you go to Poland and it's relatively conservative and you cross over the border and now you can guess uh, bless gay unions. Clearly, uh, both are supposed to be Catholic churches, but because of the national borders, you have a, a different religion. You remember when you were a kid and you went to the dentist and there was a magazine called High Life in the in the de dentist's office or the doctor's office? Well, I never I, had when that I was one. There was always a back page, and you were supposed to find 12 things wrong with the picture. Okay, I know those right? things, yeah. Yes. Well, the, 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 always, it always was entitled, What's Wrong with This Picture? <laughs> and, this, and this is what I keep saying. We're looking at the Catholic Church. What's wrong with this picture? A lot of things are wrong. A lot of things are wrong, and they're not being, they're not being remedied. They're not even being addressed. Yeah. Yet. Yet. Yeah. We yeah. need uh, we need Pius the thirteenth or something like that. We do. Uh, we do. Speaking of Pope Francis, Pope Francis is sick. He's come through surgery again, but uh, you know, ladies and gentlemen, he is getting up there in age and he's had many run ins with his health and um you know, when you get into your eighties, I think he's I think he's on the other side of the eighties now. Um I think he's eighty five or eighty six. Is he that? Is that that old? Or am I, am I exaggerating there? I believe I believe he's, he's, he is either eighty five or eighty six. Yes. Yeah, he's getting up there. Um, you know, uh, seventy years. The Bible says you get seventy years, eighty if you're strong. Modern medicine, let's call it 80, 90 if you're strong. And um, he's getting up there. So, ladies and gentlemen, you know, um, pray for Pope Francis's soul for first and foremost. No matter what we may think about some of the things he's done, um, you know, he is the bishop in white in Rome. And we ought to pray for him. And that's that's a very Catholic thing to do. And in fact, for those of you who think the SSPX are schismatics, you can come down to my chapel and you can open the hymnal. And when Pope Francis was elected, they printed new hymnals so they could have Franciscus put in the um, benediction service so we could sing the name of the Pope rather than just having N, you know, for name of the Pope. They wanted to make sure that his actual name was in it. So uh, we, yes. we, I've never prayed. It's funny. I've never, I joke. I said, I've never prayed more for the Pope in my life than when I went into schism. Um <laughs> <laughs> I think it's three or three or four times a day I'm praying I've for him. Never, right now. I've never prayed more for a pope since I've been in, since I've been since I've remained in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, I think. Yeah, um, look, look, a lot of things are going to change. They are going to change. Uh, I, I keep telling people this. I use this analogy of the cathedral. Uh, it was it was given to me. Somebody said to me, do you see St. Peter's Basilica? We were standing in the square. I said, yes, of course, there it is. He said, do you realize that he had the numbers? There were something like 200 men who died yeah. building, the, building the basilica in accidents, you know, of, the, of this and the other thing. He said, but do you realize that those who dug the, the foundations never saw the, never saw the Basilica of St. Peter rise more than five meters? Right? They yeah. never saw it finished. It's an act of faith. Yeah. And I look at the church that way. It's, I'm not going to, look, I'm 70, going to be 73. I can't believe I'm even saying it. But, but uh, I've got to tell you something funny. But if we've got time, I'll tell you. We've a, got a time. Funny we've story got time. Well, I, yesterday I went to, out to lunch. And a man came up to me. And you, because you know romance languages, you will understand this and appreciate it. A man came up to me and he said, said to me, uh, uh, I'll just say the way he said it in translating. He said, uh, I, I, I speak to you with usted. Yes. Because, it, let me just put it this way. I'm, a man comes up, an old man. Now, I when I say an old man, I mean an old man. Yeah. He comes up to me at table. He's the owner of the, of the establishment. And he says, I, I have to give usted to you because you're older than I am. And he wasn't kidding. And he wasn't trying to be sarcastic or anything else. He was being respectful. Yeah. And I, it just, it, I looked at him and I said, I didn't say anything, but I think, this is, what are you talking about? I'm old. And of course I am. I was old. <laughs> yeah. I keep forgetting. But this whole thing with the Basilica and its construction, my whole point is the majority of the people who worked on this magnificent edifice never saw, they never saw it completed. It's part, it's part. And our participation in the in the mystical body of Christ, we weren't promised that we were going to see it completed. 
right? We're, we're part, this is the part that, that, this is the part of Catholic history that, that was up to us, was given to us to handle, to deal with. Uh, I would love to see it completed. And I will one day. It's a place called heaven. Yeah. Right. But not here. Not here. And when I when I when I got over that, that 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 was a major thing for me. Let me say one other thing too. Uh, I am not a member of the of the of the, the fraternity of Saint Pius uh, Pius the uh, Pius the Tenth. Right. Yeah. I'm yeah. not. But I'm going to tell you something. I I cannot believe the number of people who have contacted me, who have joined within the last few years, mm-hmm. ever since, ever since, ever since the churches rose down and they had bishops who weren't, weren't willing to stand up for, for the church's rights. They said, that's it. That's it. Mm-hmm. And then who have, who have, uh, who have found a, a home in the society. And I think this is scaring Rome tremendously because they are growing. Yeah. This is not my opinion. I, I see it. They're growing, they're growing, they're getting vocations, they're opening new places, they're continuing and growing. Uh, and people through them are coming to know and love their Catholic faith, which is amazing. So I think, I think a lot of people in Rome are nervous. I think a lot of bishops are nervous because they're, so many of them are closing churches, they're closing, they're selling everything. Yep. And this is happening all over. Well, the, the, the Society of St. Pius X has the contrary problem. You know? Yep. Yep. Yeah. I, I see it around here. We just, uh, we're growing and having to get new buildings and petitioning a cone for more priests because there's just too much work to go around. It's a good problem to have. And, um, you know, I was reading the Gospel yes, of John. You've got to have a problem. That's a good one to that's have. a good problem to Bro. have. Yep. Yes, yes. I was, I was reading the Gospel of John this morning for about that brief five minute period that I had before my children woke up and um, one man sows, another man reaps. Christ said this. And that's exactly right. the feeling I talked to. I was at uh, in St. Mary's and I was actually sitting with Taylor Marshall and, and I said to him after the consecration in the mass and I was a little misty eyed throughout the whole thing because it was so beautiful. And I said to him, you know, I just thought about this harvest, this absolute abundant harvest. And mm-hmm. I said, what a, what sort of uh, sewing must Archbishop Lefebvre had had to have done to have something like this in such a short amount of time? And um, and that's not just for the society; it's for the whole church. And uh, yes. it's a work; it's a work of the church. And um, this is a model for all of us that uh, even through persecution, even through difficulties, through uh, you know allegations of crime and suspension and all this kind of stuff, as long as we keep the faith and we know we're right with God and we follow the tradition of the church and we rightfully obey superiors and, and authorities when in, in the right sense that will be on the right side of history, so to speak. And, um, you know, I, I'm going to make a prediction here. You played the prophet about our, uh, Bishop Nauman. Um, there were rumors about SSPX bishops going to be consecrated. They were just rumors and they just, they weren't true. Nonetheless, I actually think that when they petition to have more bishops, I think they're going to be approved. Um, and the reason I say that is because they already have approval for priests, sacraments, and so on and so forth. And I don't even, I don't know what they would, I don't think they would try the excommunication thing again because it didn't work. And I think it would anger more people and send more people to the SSPX, to be honest. Um, mm. That's what I think. I don't know. Maybe I'm out to lunch, but I just, that's what I, Francis is so surprising that uh, he would do something like that. But uh, anyway, Father, before we head off here, any last words, not because I think you're dying, but last words for the podcast. <laughs> either way, either way, Kennedy. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I just, I just think that uh, you know the, the 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 Chinese have a have a saying, uh, simple but very but profound. Uh, they say as as a as a final greeting to them, may you live in interesting times. Yeah, exactly. Right. Well. By gosh, by gory, <laughs> these are interesting times. Yeah. These are very interesting times. I thank God to, that I'm alive right now. Yes, there's a lot of confusion and there's the, I, I, I feel very, very, very sad for the, the, for the tremendous amount of souls that have been lost. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know who's going to answer for that, but there, there are certain people who are responsible for it. I've tried in my own priesthood not to be responsible for something like that. 
to live as, as well as I could. But uh, we've lost millions and millions and millions of, of people who otherwise would have remained faithful and good Catholics. Uh, they, they felt the carpet was pulled out from beneath them. Um, I just would like to say to anyone listening who happens to be in that position or knows someone in that position to uh, extend hope, to extend hope. There is hope. And, yeah. and to stay faithful to the, to, the, to the body of Christ, to participate in the body of Christ, which is the, the Catholic Church. And uh, adelante y arriba. Adelante, y adelante. adelante la fe. Adelante la fe. Okay. Excellent. Well, Father, thank you so much for joining us. Ladies and gentlemen, again, look in the uh, links in the description to this video. I'll put uh, some stuff there from Father Murr's books and the audio book that I narrated for him. If you're not tired of listening to me, you could listen to me do a bunch of accents. By the uh, way, the, the audio book that you did yeah. is beautiful. Well, thank you. Uh, I, 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 just heard, I just heard somebody else giving you a compliment. Was it Taylor Marshall? Did you do an audio book for him? I've actually, I'm, I'm recording my fourth audiobook for him right now. Wow. Well, he, he was describing exactly what I'm trying to say right now. Yeah. That the, the accents that you put in and the, and the uh, uh, you actually give the characters when they're yeah. speaking, give, you give them character. You give characters yeah. to character, uh, uh, character to characters. It's, it's really wonderful. And I, I thank you for the, for the for job well done. It's beautiful. Well, thank you. And um, so you can check those out. The links for that are in the description. Um, you can thank my nonno, God rest his soul, because uh, Don Mario Marini in your book is basically me imitating my nonno, because uh, that's how he sounded. And um, ladies and gentlemen, um, if you want to know more about the Society of St. Pius X, that uh, beautiful image there from our mutual friend Enrique, who made these this cover, um, that's right. you, can, you can find that... Um, in the link, the description as well. And I'm sure we'll have Father Moran again. This has been the Kennedy Report. And until next time, God bless.